Good evening. It is good to see you tonight. We are glad that you're here as always. If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Proverbs. We've been there for a few weeks and um, can't say how much longer we'll be here, but we're still here. Proverbs chapter 2 is where we find ourselves this evening. The events of chapter 2 are a lot like chapter 1, verses 8 to 33. It is a return to the father's plea with an emphasis on the son seeking wisdom. He's going to begin by repeating his call for his son to answer wisdom's call. Don't reject her. You can read her call there in chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts up her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. And uh, don't reject her. That's, you can see that in verse 24. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. You neglected all of my reproof. And so the father does not want that for his son. He's pleading with his son, listen to my instructions. That begins back in chapter 1 and verse 8. Hear my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Listen to your mother, listen to your father. That's the emphasis here. In contrast, don't listen to sinners. That begins verse 10 through, again, the end of the chapter. But as we enter chapter 2, there is more to life than simply listening to wisdom and listening to good instruction. There is another layer, and that is the son must actively engage in the process, that he must move from simply hearing the instruction to engage in seeking it for himself. And that brings us to chapter 2 in the first five verses. The first two verses, again, emphasize the father's request. My son, if you will receive my words, treasure of my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, you can see again and you can hear. Listen to my words, receive them, treasure them, value them. But he shifts very subtly to the son's doing it, the son putting forth effort. Notice the shift there, my son, if you will receive my words, verse 1, treasure my commandments within you. But then in verse number 2, he begins saying, your, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. And verse 3 begins, if you cry for discernment. If you lift up your voice for understanding, you can see in the father's saying to the son, I do want you to listen to me. Hear my instruction. Let them sink deep down into your ear and let them become part of your life. Take them on. Make them your own. But there is this idea of now you putting forth effort. You not simply being a receptacle where the information goes in, but you being an active participant and engaging in the process, that you cry out for it, that you lift up your voice for it, that you seek her as silver, and you understand and search for her as hidden treasure. And so the first point would be this, son, you must seek wisdom. There is a transition in our lives where we move from our inherited faith, as we've talked about in the past, to at some point it becoming our own. 
the son, the daughter, will leave home at some point. They will be among those in the streets and in the concourse where wisdom is shouting and yelling. And they will at some point have to make their own informed decisions. And the father is saying, son, you have to want this. You have to seek this. You have to search this. Brings us to point number two, verses six to eight. He will say, son, you must know the source of wisdom. Twice already the phrase, the fear of the Lord has been used. It's there in chapter one and verse number seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's there again in chapter 2 and verse number 5. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Beginning in verse number 6, the source. I want you to search it, but I want you to understand where to search. The source of your search for wisdom needs to be God. Verse number 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of, the, of his godly ones. Son, I want you to seek for her, verse 3, 4, and 5. Seek for her. Make your ear attentive. But where are you seeking? You're seeking it in the Lord. Should fix it on your mind that God is. Son, you need to know that God is. In fact, it would be foolish to think otherwise. Psalm 14, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Son, where will you seek for wisdom? It would be foolish to look anywhere else but God. It would be foolish to think that you are an accidental animal. It would be foolish to think that you don't have an eternal soul, that you're some pile of molecules in motion. No, he says, son, not simply is there a God. Yes, God is. But then he says, God has spoken. Out of his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Typically, when we're quoting 2 Timothy 3.16, we use the expression God breathed to describe Scripture. It's out of his mouth is where this wisdom is. God has spoken. The word of the Lord gives knowledge and wisdom. It would be foolish to think that anyone could have more knowledge than God. It would be foolish to think that someone could know better than God. That if God has spoken and man has spoken, that it's possible for man to be right. It's impossible. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. What will the son be confronted with in the marketplace? Well, he'll be confronted to where do you seek for this wisdom? Who should you listen to? His father is telling him God is the source of wisdom. God is the place to find knowledge and understanding. In fact, look at Psalm 19 and listen to God say it. In Psalm 19, the scriptures describe God speaking. It describes God speaking in two different ways. I think we mentioned it before. He's given his world and he's given his word. And they are designed to both ultimately get us to him. But the world he created speaks on his behalf. Beginning in verse number 1 of Psalm 19, working down to verse number 6, the Bible says, the heavens declare or are telling of the glory of God. Creation is personified here, given a voice, just like wisdom. And what does the creation say? 
The heavens are telling us of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech. Well, who's speaking? The creation. The creation is speaking. When does it speak? Day after day. Night after night, it reveals knowledge. What knowledge? That God is. That there is a God, the creator of it all. In fact, where do they speak? Verse number three says, there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. There is no place on the planet God's sun doesn't shine. There's no place on the planet the stars can't be accessed. The creation speaks, and it speaks every language on planet Earth. No matter where you are, you can see creation shouting to you the glory of God. Their line is gone throughout all the earth. Their utterance is to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chambers, rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Son, there is wisdom, and I want you to lift up your heart for it, your voice. I want you to search for it. Where should you search? God is, and God has spoken. His world, verses number one to six, but in verse number seven, there is a change. That is Psalm 19, seven. Because in Psalm 19, 7, the psalmist now says, the law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord does what the creation cannot do. The creation can and does speak forcefully and loudly and day after day and night after night that God is. It shouts, it proclaims his glory, one end of the earth to the other. But it can't reach your soul. How do you convert your soul? Verse number seven says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord is sure, doing what? Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, and verity, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and are righteous altogether. What's the second thing he wants for his son? He wants him to know the source of wisdom. Son, I want you to seek for wisdom. Listen to my teachings. Listen to my instruction. I need you to get engaged and become a part of the process. It needs to be that which you want, that which you're engaged in. You seek her. You cry out for her. You value her. You treasure her. And where do you look? God and Scripture. Back to Proverbs 2 and verse number 7. That wisdom that comes out of God's mouth, he goes on to say, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice preserves the way of his godly ones. There is in this proverb and throughout the Bible this sense in which walking with God, walking in the light is the best, most beneficial course of life for the converting of the soul and for living in every other aspect of life. Point number three, son, you must see the benefits of wisdom. From verse 10, really, all the way over to nearly the end of the chapter, 
He wants his son to see the benefits. So he begins, verse 1, verse 2, son, if you will listen to my words. Verse 3 and verse 4, if you will search for her, value her, treasure her, make efforts. If you will know the source, verses 6 through 8, we didn't read it, but he's already talked about benefits after each one of those sections. There's benefits, verse number 5, as well as verse number 9. Note that right after verse number 4, you seek her as silver, search for her as hidden treasures. Verse number 5 says, then, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. How do you do that, verses 1 to 4? That's how you do that. That seeking, that searching, that crying after. If you'll do that, then you'll discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Well, what happens if you know the source? Verse 6, 7, and 8, if you will, he gives wisdom out of his mouth. He will guard, he will store up, he will provide. And if you'll accept that and do that, verse number 9 says, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Now, with that accomplished, he begins to lay out the benefits of that decision. The benefits of those first two things begin in verse number 10, and he says, four, when you do that, when wisdom will enter your heart, your mind, knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. You immediately began to get the sense of comfort and ease and peace and tranquility. Where? In the mind, in your heart. Wisdom will enter there. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And there are immediate benefits. Verse number 11 says, discretion will guard you. This word discretion, it means a plan. It can be, and sometimes, one author said, usually it's evil. That is, like a person planning and scheming to get advantage of somebody. That's the word. But at the same time, that same word, different context, can mean a plan wisely. Sagacity. That is, the quality of being discerning. Sound in judgment. Far-sighted wisdom. What happens when wisdom sinks down into your mind? Discretion will guard you. What kind of discretion? You won't say everything that enters your mind. You will be able to have some far-sighted vision relative to things. You'll be able to see if that, then that, then that, then that. Then no, I won't even start this process. It will benefit your life. You will develop a plan. You will be wise. And what will happen? It will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. Well, what will it guard you from? What will it watch over you in doing? Just keep reading. Immediately gets you out of trouble. Verse number 12 says, to deliver you. Deliver you from what? From the way of evil? From the man who speaks perverse things? From those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil. The way of evil. It will guard you. It will deliver you. 
from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who lead the paths of uprightness. They delight in fraud, fraudness. They speak perverse things. Their ways are crooked. They're devious in all their ways. Armed with this wisdom, the wise son sees them afar off. He knows them. He sees them. He's not fooled by them. He knows they'll lie to him. They'll try to deceive him. They'll exaggerate their life. They'll try to make sin look and sound so fun. They'll make righteousness look dull and boring, and sin look exciting and fun. But the son is armed with wisdom. Go back to chapter 1 and see it in action. Verse number 8, hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful reed to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without a cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as they go down to the pit. We'll find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. You know what wisdom will do? It will guard him understanding will watch over him. It will deliver him from those so-called friends. The evil man who speaks perverse things, who leaves the paths of uprightness, who walks in the way of darkness. You know, when they make this pitch, it will sound fun. When they are seeking to entice, this will sound like the way to go. But if you'll read what it says about them, verse 12 says they speak perverse things. They leave the paths of uprightness. They walk in the ways of darkness. They delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil. What's going to keep him from them? This wisdom, guarding the paths of the justice, discernment and righteousness in his heart. Verses 16 to 19 provide more protection, a different threat, if you will. Verses 16 and 17 says, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead deliver you from the strange woman. She is profane. She flatters. The idea is smooth. And that which divides, it's smooth speech. It divides you. It's fair speech, separating you from the right way. It's luring. It's enticing. It seeks to, by its smoothness, move you from right to wrong, from light to dark, unfaithful to her husband. She's unfaithful to her God, and what she does ultimately is bring destruction. That's verses 18 and 19. For her house sinks down to death. Her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. You hear words like sink down 
to death. Her tracks lead to death. Going with her, there's no return again. They don't reach the paths of life. If we are still in Proverbs, when we get to chapters 5, 6, and 7, then this kind of woman and these evil individuals are talked about in great detail. In fact, if you'd like to read a section of Scripture that really talks about that, that would be a good read. There are two groups that he describes here, evil men. Hard to say exactly, but it seems like those people that we would call friends, partners, inviting us to do evil, to run with them, and they make it sound so fun. Come on, this is going to be great. They might say, you only live once. Don't be a chicken. They even make the sounds and maybe flap their arms and try to make you feel a particular way. Evil men. And then there's an evil woman. And her seems to be surrounded by sexual activity before marriage. Another thing that the world just, just absolutely is down on that everybody is doing, and you should do it too, and what's the expectation other than to do that? But scarcely does anything do more harm than these two things. Our so-called friends that lure us into these things as young people and being sexually active before marriage. Scarcely can you find two things that will do more harm to young life, or to any life. But that's when they come at us with these things. Come on, we're all going out. We're going to have a great time at the party. Come on, we're all going out. Hey, I think she likes you. My son, my son, listen to my instruction. But don't just listen, son. See it for yourself. You should search for her. You should treasure her. You should seek her. And when you do and you find the source, when you find God's knowledge and God's wisdom, when it sinks into your heart, it will protect you. It will guard you. Discernment will enter your heart and you can see a group of individuals on your front porch asking you to come out and they're telling you we're going to do wickedness. You can see the end of that. She's telling you, nobody's home. You can see the end of this. Discernment will guard you. Understanding will watch over you, and it will deliver you from the way of evil, from those who leave the paths of darkness, from her smooth words. And so he ends by saying, son, you must seize the right path. Verses 20 to 22. So, you will walk in the way of good men and keep on the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. The manner of life is described in both covenants as a walk. And there are only two paths in which we can do that. They are here and throughout the Bible. 
You can see back up in verse 13, they leave the paths of the upright. Well, there's a path of uprightness, and there's a path of evil. You can only walk one of them. And he's saying to his son, you'll walk with good men. We can only walk in the darkness or in the light. Chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, stores up sound wisdom. That's what God does for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. He preserves the way of the godly one. Son, walk there. But there's another walk, chapter 2, verse 12, to deliver you from the way of the evil men, from those who speak perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Son, choose wisdom. What will happen if you do? It'll allow you to walk with good men. It will keep you in the paths of righteousness. There's two things in regards to those good men and that dynamic there, 20 to 22. One of them is community, and the other one is influence. Those walking in righteousness will demonstrate the walk before you. And this is why the parents before you, Deuteronomy 6, are charged with, you put these words in your heart, and then you walk them before your children. That's how your children will learn. That's what they'll see. But more than that, the community with regards to God's people, you'll see good men, good women walking community. They will encourage you to continue the walk for yourself. How frequently do you grab a young person and encourage them to keep on being faithful? How often? They're not even your child, but you grab them and you say, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. Keep up the good work. What are they doing, young people, trying to encourage you to stay in the walk? That's what the community is for. The opposite is also true. You know what the sinners will do? Chapter 1, verse 10, come with us. If this is the community of good men and righteous people, to come with us would be to leave that and start walking with them. And they will try to do the same. There is influence because you can then be influenced and give influence. Community and influence. Walk in the way of good men. There is a couple of statements said here about the land. And so specifically with reference to Israel, you can see how that would apply. As they had the land promised to them by God, they needed to live right within it. And given the amount of laws that had to do with their behavior and their faithfulness to not only God and their continuance in that land, you can hear him say, the wicked will be cut off from the land. The righteous will remain in it. Not very much different today. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that thou mayest live long. Thy days may be long upon the earth or upon the land. In contrast, verse 22, the wicked will be cut off. The wicked will be cut off from the land, treacherous, and they will be uprooted. There's righteousness and there's wickedness. And there's a difference. The righteous leave the paths of uprightness. The sinners congregate together and entice. And then there is the fear of the Lord. There is heeding the instruction versus rejecting it. There's listening to his father and his mother's instruction and avoiding the bad company and their influence. 
there's value in the Father's wisdom. Chapters 2, verse 1, he uses the word treasure it. There's personal responsibility. Son, you have to seek it. You have to want it. You have to cry out for it. You have to lift up your voice. There's knowing God and his word. There's being wise and there's seeing right and wrong and knowing the road and where it ends. Avoiding those who leave the paths of righteousness and walking in the way of good men. Proverbs 13 and verse number 20 is a very good summation. That verse says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. My son, listen to my instructions, but more than that, make it your own and see the value and the source of wisdom in God. You're not a Christian tonight. We invite you to become one. We certainly love our young people and want only what's best for them. And what we all know is what's best for them is what's best for you and best for us all. And that's God. We have to be faithful to him, committed to his word, committed to his cause, and seeking to become more and more like him. See the world for what it is and try as best we can not to allow the, 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 the constant screams and pleas to join them uh, not get to us rather to stay with God in his wisdom. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. John 8, 24, Jesus said, if you believe not that I am, you will die in your sins. We must repent. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. We must confess the name of Jesus and be immersed in water with him for the forgiveness of our sins. It's clear to anybody who is looking that the way of God is the best way to live our lives. And while the world keeps crying and luring, it's very easy to see when wisdom sinks into your heart and discretion leads, it's easy to see how terrible a life, despite what they say it is, to give yourself to wickedness and walk away from God. Let's stay with our God. Let's keep walking in the light. And let's live the full abundant life only Jesus can give. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.